0: Podcast listeners, welcome to episode 9 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the troublemakers, and the unconventionals in Singapore. Try to see things as how they see it and learn from them. Some of these individuals include Dr. Loretta Chen, who is a consultant for the Kingdom of Bhutan. Betty Lee, who at the age of 60, went backpacking around the world for 400 days. And today on the show, we have Danny Wong. He's a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of 12 Cupcakes with more than 40 stores around the region. He was a well-known and well-loved radio DJ back in the days in Media Cup Radio 987 in which he won the most popular radio personality awards in 2006, 2007 and 2008 consecutively. Not known to many, he also manages the radio station for 15 months. And in 2011, uh, Chove Cupcake was born and grew to more than 40 stores today. In this conversation, we spoke about his start as a radio DJ and the practice he took that brought him to be the best at it. The use of singlish in today's society, lessons and strategies on creating a cupcake empire time management techniques, and so much more. So, without further ado... So, welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Thank so, you. first question. Uh, when somebody asks you what do you do, um, how do you answer that?
1: Right now? Yes. Uh, what do I do? Nobody's ever asked me that, believe it or not. So, uh, I would tell people I'm a serial entrepreneur, just like how your uh, <laughs> introduction. introduction said. Yeah. So, I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. I will always try to start things, do things look at new things, opportunities, grab opportunities. And uh, yeah, so serial entrepreneur. That would probably be
0: it. And when is the first start to that entrepreneurship?
1: Um, I would have to say when I was about nine years old. Nine years old. Uh, I started my first business when I was about nine, uh, selling curry puffs. So a lot of people don't know this, but uh, when we were very young, we were very poor. Uh, So immediately I knew I had to find money. Right. So, uh, uh, I went to the tuck shop auntie, who was selling curry puffs at 20 cents. Nowadays, we've got 20 cents curry puff, right? Yeah. So, back then it was 20 cents. I asked her, auntie, if I buy 10 from you, can you sell it to me at 17 cents? So, I walked around the, the, the flats, selling them at 30 cents. Almost 100% profit, right? Uh, made my own chili sauce, bought my own bags walked around and, and then started doing that. I was age nine or nine or nine and a half, 10.
0: Where were you then?
1: And in it, Singapore. In Singapore? When I just got back like, to Singapore oh, okay. uh, back then and uh, just, thought, just felt that I needed to make a buck. Yeah, so, because I,
0: you told me before that you were in Canada.
1: Yeah. Why, so
0: Why was the story there?
1: Uh, let's take you way back. So yeah. <laughs> I come from a broken family. My uh, dad and mom separated when I was just months old. So at about seven months, I went to Canada and stayed there all the way up to nine years old, and then I, then we came back to Singapore. Yeah, so we were in Canada all throughout. I grew up in Canada, uh, hence the Canadian accent. Wow, this guy talk like a more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I just had my childhood there, which was very, very different huh. as well. But I think uh, it laid good foundations for me, uh, and it made me realize what was important.
0: Yeah, and what was the situation when you were back, because you say you were poor, but how poor and Paint us a picture.
1: Okay, uh, we never had our own place. It, it was always rented. We moved all the time. Uh, in fact, I'm still moving all the time right about now, but um, we were poor in the sense that uh, we we're trying to make ends meet. Uh, on, there was a couple of occasions where we didn't have enough food. So when you're talking about poor, it was probably like uh, poor or poor, like you know, not enough to eat. I remember a time in my life when my mom had to go away. So she left us alone, left me alone. Uh, And then I lost the money that she had given me. So (laughs) I lived on a loaf of bread for a week. So we had like, I just had like a loaf of bread with salt. loaf of bread with soy sauce. That went on for a week. I remember that very vividly. And that gave me the hunger uh, to... That that, that I always loved food, needed food. And you know, that's why I'm such a foodie now.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what, ha- where, where, were you? I mean, like, so you were in in a rented place. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you're given
0: uh, some money. Yeah, I lost it on the first day. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, do you reach out for help? And, and no, 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 no. Was there anyone you can talk to to I, get
1: I, some I got. Kaya? I got all my coins together. Okay. Oh look, I have a couple of bucks, and that's what I lived on for the whole week.
0: And you knew it was a week, or, or I knew it was a week. Okay. Yeah, my okay, mom so, had to be
1: away for business, and she she tried her best. I mean. Uh, as a, when we were younger, she worked two jobs in Canada. You know, and working two jobs, waitressing at night, secretary in the day, definitely not easy. So she taught me the value of, uh, of hard work, taught me the value of uh, you know, being hungry, curious all the time. And she gave us a lot of uh, opportunities to be self-sufficient. You know, like uh, when I was younger, like eight, 7 or 8 years old, I, I learned how to roast the chicken already, learn how to cook rice, so that when my mom comes home, we have food to eat, and then she just needs to chow cai. And oh. then after that, we would be able to, you know, get, get the get dinner on. So she taught me a lot of things as a, as a, as a kid, and I think the, my love for culinary and my love for food uh, really a lot just comes from her. How's your relationship with her right now? Well, it's good. I mean, growing up, I mean, we had our arguments and what have you not, but uh, ever since we we, we moved apart, <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> so, so, a little bit of space is always fantastic. I,
0: I would like to say the same thing uh, for myself too, uh, a little bit of space uh, actually makes the relationship better. A
1: lot better. Every time you see her, it's like nothing but love, and you want to take care of her and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I think we're in a really, really good place now, ever since she mellowed a little bit. Mellowed. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you were in
0: school till only, like, was it secondary school or...? Yeah,
1: so my whole school situation yeah. was interesting. So um, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but my highest qualifications is just O-levels, you know, and it doesn't mean that you can't make it in life. I'm not qualified in, in many senses of the word, but I come from the school of life, you know, that one I have a degree in, mm. school of life. Uh, but I, was just, I just did my O-Levels, and after my O-Levels, uh, I had decided that, okay, I'm going to just uh, go to Poly. But halfway through Poly in my first year in Poly. So you did went into Poly? I did go to Poly. What course were you One year, Electronics and Computer Engineering, ECE, okay. totally irrelevant to what I'm doing now. Right. But I went in one year, and then after that, immediately realized that, hey, uh, why don't I just go and finish my national service, and then find a way to uh, head back to Canada to do my degree there? You know, because over in Canada, it'll be a lot shorter, it'll be a lot quicker as well. And uh, we've got my, my dad's side of the family who lives in Canada, who can help us out a little bit. Hmm. So I thought, okay, let's do that. But then when I went into the army, uh, somebody came along and said, Who wants to be a DJ? And then the whole platoon put up the hand because nobody wants to do the exercise, right? Uh, so everybody went to try it. Uh, me and this other guy called Alan Soon, we got in and the rest is history. So I had actually wanted to go back to school. It's just that I didn't uh, didn't go back to school because so things went so well. It's all in God's plan. <laughs> all in God's plan. Yeah.
0: And what? Can, I mean, like, I'm just curious to know what what is the uh, like criteria of selection when you got into was it power Power Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I, uh, they gave us a script. We read the script. Uh, we we basically just try to present. And I wasn't very good back then, but I guess I was the best of the lot. Lah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, so my highest qualification, O-Levels. And so far, since then, my life has been just moving on from, from thing to thing. And what's interesting is that uh, everything that you do in your life actually brings you to the next thing. Now, How did I get into radio? Uh, we have to actually rewind back and look at the, all the jobs that I've done. Yeah, in you the did, past. A whole, I did a whole how, bunch how, of jobs. Yeah. Okay, so... Just to tie in the radio bit. Yeah. And I a work- few interesting ones. There's a few. As well. Yeah. So I worked in a, a bowling alley. Right? I was the guy behind the counter, uh, helping people get the shoes, helping people uh, transfer lanes, settle their bills, what have you not. I'd be behind there and I'd be I use the microphone and say, Well bowls from lane one, transfer to lane four, please. Thank you. Wow! <laughs> my voice sounds so nice on the on the the speaker system. Yeah. So I learned how to use the microphone. And when I was doing the audition during the, for Power 98, uh, I used the microphone and I was probably the one of the only few people who knew how to use the microphone. See, it's just something about life that brings you into your next thing. And if I didn't get into radio, I wouldn't know about promotions for 12 cupcakes. If I didn't get into radio, I wouldn't know how to sell. But how did I get into radio? It was also because of my, my other job when I was uh, growing up as a shoe salesman. I worked as a shoe salesman in John Little. Oh, you remember John Little? Yes. Right, now defunct and stuff. So that's where I learned they're, how to they're sell. Not, they're not around anymore. I don't think so. No, I don't. Are they no. still around? Yeah, no. No idea. But yes. um, The thing about the shoe, selling shoes yeah. is that when I'm selling the shoes, I'm 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 realizing that I need to make some commissions. So what is driving me again? The hunger, the hunger to that drives me, and it's uh, basically you know telling me I got to be good at this in order to sell more shoes. So I learned how to sell shoes, learned techniques on selling learned about how to, you know, get things done, and how to talk to customers, make them feel at ease. Hey, that looked really good on you, you know? You should get this in a slightly looser size because of this, the leather, and this and that. Mm. So I learned how to sell, mm-hmm. and because I knew how to sell, that's probably why I got the Power 98 job as well. They asked me to sell a song, I said, wow, that's a great song, it's this and da da mm-hmm. And they probably saw something in me that, that nobody else had, which was the ability to present, ability to sell, ability to use a microphone, and it just all tied in together.
0: And all these jobs uh, came before NS, so you took yes. part-time jobs to work at. John Litter, to sell yeah. Harry Potter. Okay. Let's
1: now go through the whole entire thing, okay? <laughs> Why not, since we're already on that topic. Okay, so the jobs, amount of jobs that I've done. Yeah. Um, I was a dishwasher, Right. I was a food court cleaner, I worked in the food court, I worked as a waiter, I worked as a welder in a shipyard. Mm. That's where I learned how to fix things. Um, I've uh, also worked, uh, you know, in John Little as a shoe salesman, uh, a car park cashier, that's what made me good with money. It all ties into 12 Cupcakes, you know, weirdly enough, right? Uh, being so, such an anal rat about uh, cleanliness really taught me about the systems for 12 Cupcakes, you know? T- uh, all how to prepare food, how to prepare recipes, how to prepare, uh, create systems to create uh, food, was, came from the food court, came from my mom, you know? So, it's my whole life journey that's, that's taken me to this point for 12 Cupcakes. And that's what's really, really interesting. I was also a uh, like, tuition… I started my own tuition centre at age 14. This was a scam, I, I must admit. This was, a, this was a… Holy cow, this was a scam. I feel who really you, bad now. Who did tuition? No, I didn't give tuition. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Yeah. To me, okay, it, was, was it was pretty simple. Okay. Um, I went to a block of flats and okay. I would paste at the void deck, tuition given. Go to the next block, and I paste on the the other side, tutors wanted. So basically, somebody called me, somebody called me, I would just join them together and collect 50% commission. I would go to the bookstore and buy, you know, those receipt petty cash receipt vouchers. And that's really cheap, right? 70 cents buys you the whole booklet, right? So I go there, I get that, and then just type out on my mom's typewriter, uh, the invoice. Tell the parents over the phone... I'm gonna send my boy now to come and collect the commissions, thank you. Uh, I at the door, cock, uh, My boss asked me to come and collect the commission. Now here's the receipt, da, da, da. so I got it. And as a young kid, 14 years old, I remember earning 800 bucks.
0: <laughs> Wait, 800 bucks back then is a lot of
1: money. Well, when I went to school, it's like, chicken wings on me! Woo! Immediately, I would like, buy all my friends, like,
0: that is, that isn't food a and drink at all.
1: It is a scam. No. Because I'm 14 like what, years old. And it is
0: like what a tu-
1: this website thing does, you know, they, 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 they I get I probably tutors. was the first to start a tuition agency <laughs> in Singapore back then. It's like it's like a real serious business, but I was 14 years old. But
0: there wasn't any way of customer feedback, was there? Like, hey, okay, this tutor, like,
1: not very good. You they know, could call and, me and okay. then I would, I would uh, either call the tutor or do something like that. But so far, nobody, nobody had anything because I would call the tutors and ask them what levels do they teach. How good are they? What are the special skills? And over the phone, I would I would uh, introduce the tutors to the to the prospective uh, parents of the t- of the students. And uh, yeah, and this you sell. you sell the tutor for, for yeah. them. Yeah, that is a As totally for, legitimate business. I don't. Okay, <laughs> to me it was a scam because I I actually got caught by HDB. Uh, they called me up and said you cannot anyhow paste posters at the HDB flat. <gasps> okay, maybe the scam part is when. You didn't pay taxes. I didn't pay taxes. I didn't do anything. It was back then. This is like... Who uh, knew about taxes when you were 14? uh, Nothing. This (laughs) is... Think about it. This is like 26 years ago. Yeah. 26
0: years ago. That was like 1980s, the 80s. Probably.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So, and you seem to be a very positive person, both in person and on air. And I feel that that's also like one of the requirements of being a DJ. Was there anything or any incident that make you so positive?
1: I think my life in general as a growing up was bad, so I've witnessed my, my father beating my mother, I've witnessed quarrels, fights, uh, knives held out to my throat. I've, I've, I've had a, a tough childhood. Um, every time something good happens to me, it just makes me so thankful, so, so thankful. Uh, it makes me realize that we should all be thankful, and that really is the key to being positive. If you're so thankful for every little thing that happens, I'm thankful for water, that it's not lukewarm, that there's ice in it. Oh, fantastic, you know? I'm thankful for coffee, I'm thankful for everything. If you're thankful, you will always be grateful, and you will then always be positive. And you think about it, you are, if you're positive to the people around you and they become positive, aren't you the change that everybody wants in this world? So just by being positive, by being friendly, happy, or just being able to make somebody else smile, you'll realize that that is the true wealth. That's that true success.
0: No, I truly agree with you. And you know, like all these people wanting to do huge changes yeah. uh, to the world, like the simple acts sometimes are the most uh, important and easy to do. They, 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 they forgot about the low hanging fruits yeah. that they are there. Um, and when you are a radio DJ, you won numerous awards. Would there be anything you would say that makes you unique. I mean, I, you, those jobs and experience.
1: When I was a radio DJ, I had the time of my life. It was just so much fun. Going on it every day was a privilege, and I understood that. Um, I think I got good at what I did because I put in the hours. Like, somewhere in this interview, you're going to hear about 10,000 hours. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> yeah, there you go, outliers. Uh, but. That's what it was. So back then, when I started, I sucked. I sounded like a girl. I could not present. I could not do anything well. People wrote in and fed back that, oh my gosh, who's this young kid who sounds like a girl? Get him off air. When I took all of that, all I did with it, with it was uh, turn things around for myself. I went to, I remember going to a reservoir one day and just shouting my, ah! I saw that email, ah! The next day, my voice went hoarse. But after that, when my voice recovered, I sounded like this. Sounded a little bit more polished. Hey. Oh, so basically, my, vo- my voice broke lah at age 19 or... Ni- 18, no. 18
0: or 19, yeah. Wait, so, but they, so when they actually hired you for the job, uh, they didn't consider... I mean, the
1: voice was the still The voice could be developed, I
0: think. I think. Okay.
1: I, I remember reading The Straits Times, yeah. front page to back page, out loud, word for word for six months. Every single day.
0: What do you see as the main changes after six months, before and after?
1: Um, I learned how to enunciate, uh, pick, pick out key words or points to, to bring uh, a lot of emotion to the words, to, to turn something alive, to make something more alive, to add emotion where you should, you know? And just, you could read it in a certain way, just that when you do it in a certain way, just the whole piece comes alive. And then that's where I learned how to present. Prior to this, I was just learning how to read. But after that, I learned how to present. And when you can present and not read, you're a presenter. And that not that what a being a radio DJ is about? You're a presenter. So putting my time into it really, um, you know, brought me to another level. And learning how to use my voice then allowed me to earn more money doing voiceovers, you know, uh, and wh- wh- what is the, the bottom line again? More money. woo more money. So... I knew that was important to do VOs, voiceovers. I knew it was important to be good on stage. So I practiced in front of the mirror, at home, nonstop, doing my things for stage. And after that, I became a very successful stage host. And I was earning uh, good money doing stage uh, shows, dinner and dances, uh, product launches and what have you not. And once again, it's the 10,000 hour rule. You do something good enough and well enough over and over and over again, you'll get good at it. And when you get good at it, success will follow you. So that's the basic point.
0: No, I like the point I just brought out because it, it really tells you that the whole idea that you can't, like you are born with this voice, is not true no at way. all. You can always change it and you can always practice. I, for me, that's news. That's news for me. So you could actually read the newspaper and words that are hard to pronounce, learn them and repeat using deliberate practice to make it better and better.
1: And flow, you just get, the, get a better flow and get a, just get your whole thing together. And once you do something on repeat mode, you'll, not only will your eyes get better because you'll be looking at the words, you know, you be going through things, and soon you will be able to gather a skill of reading the second line while you're still at the first. So you already know what you're reading prior to the next line coming up. And that's a skill that all presenters must have. You gotta be able to read, proofread in advance. You give me something off the bat, like right now, I probably could read it word for word, uh, without fumbling, and that in itself is a skill, right?
0: Yeah, how, how how funny that the smallest thing actually makes a difference, right? Um, I will, this is, for me actually, this question, how do you <laughs> not fall prey to the easy and effective Singlish? <laughs> because okay. it's so... So I, I realised that when I came back from overseas, um, from the US when I was travelling, it was Singlish is just such an effective language that you can use a very little amount of work to, de- to deliver the same amount of content, mm-hmm. and so it's, okay, it's quite easy. And people don't say that you're Tia kantan if you were to speak uh, Singlish. Yeah. Uh, and once you keep using that, then you know
1: you develop this, and then when you want to change back, and mm. that's where the problem is. I think it's just being in control over it. Uh, there are times where you can use English, and you should use English. You know, if you spoke uh, in. Uh, presentation-style English all the time, people would think that you'd be like, uh, 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 you know, but uh, there's a time and place for it, I feel. Uh, when you're on radio, when you're doing, when, you, when you're on a production like this, professional setup, you know, uh, you would definitely want to use English, which which anybody would understand. Hmm. It's just having a more international feel about it. That's about it. But there's a time and place for everything, and you should use English, because it is who you are, it is what you are, it is what people understand, and more importantly, it connects you. Believe it or not, when a Singaporean hears another Singaporean overseas, and they're both speaking Singlish, well, wallawe, how come you're here? You know, like you're on the top of a mountain or something. That in itself is like, instant connection. Right. And then it's like, why not? Yeah. Why do you want to be something else that you're, that, that you're not? Or mm. why do you want to be something else? Why not connect? And isn't that, isn't that what the baseline of what this is all about? A connection?
0: Yeah. And the beauty of it is that to have the option to be able to, to turn it on and turn it off with deliberate practice and that could happen. What were your main responsibilities when you were a manager, managing the radio station?
1: Oh, that was a, one of the toughest times of my life because, uh, you know, as a manager, you have to answer for the p Yeah, You have to answer to your bosses. At the same time, you've got to manage people. And that was one of the first few times where uh, I realized, oh my gosh, everybody now hates me because I'm now the manager. Because manager, you have to be the bad person. You need to air check your fellow jocks. And coming from a place where we used to be equals, now all of a sudden you have to air check them, tell them what they're doing wrong. And nobody, everybody in, in, in radio back then, I guess, you need to have a little bit of an ego to be a really good radio DJ. And everybody had an ego. And if you told them that what they did was wrong, the first reaction would be, who are you to tell me what I did wrong? So I learned about management. I learned about uh, p and I learned about having to run a successful business as well. And I had to treat the radio station as a business. I got up at 4 a.m. every single day to get, come in for my radio show from 6 to 10 a.m. After 6 to 10 a.m., uh, I would then be manager and go for sales pitches and meetings and air checks and run promotions and do what have you not all the way till 6 p.m. Then go for events host shows, do voiceovers, do whatever, all the way till 11pm. Reach home, do paperwork, do everything until 12 or 1. And this went on for a really long time. So I slept on average about 3 to 4 hours every day, trying to do my best for 987 back then. If I'm not wrong, the year I took over, uh, we, we, we earned a million bucks for the company and uh, a lot of uh, people didn't like me very much, but I had a job to do. I had values, I had uh, responsibilities, and I kept to those things. I may have lost some friends, but I probably did, knew that I did my best, you know, in, in being that. But that was a tough time in my life. And after the, a while of that, I realized I cannot do this anymore. I'm going to ask for reinforcements. I asked... Uh, uh, would anybody like to do the job? And then (laughs) then I left and I became a radio jock again. And that's when my daughter was born. Mm. And I realized that I would like to give my daughter something that I never had, which was a dad. Uh, So because I never had a dad, uh, I felt at that time that was probably like the most important thing Mm -hmm. for me, which is to quit, uh, decide on life later, and just be the best damn father that I could possibly be, which I'm still to today. I think I'm a great dad. Uh, and I'm still trying my best just to just to give her what I never had. So
0: rewind a little bit because you you mentioned something that um, it's hard to speak to someone with ego. Okay. Uh, in your year of being a, managing a radio station and telling these people off, because what is there any insights or ways how you deliver that information but still not hurt their ego? Uh,
1: I try to be their friend. I try uh, to make it constructive. It there's a Chinese phrase which goes like this. 说者无意,听者有心. The person who said it didn't mean anything, but the person who takes it, takes it with intent, you know? And sometimes it is just that. You have the best intentions. Uh, as a manager, you want your team to be as good as possible, for them to do as well as they possibly can. And I am just giving them feedback based on the fact that I've been doing this for 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. and I have a little bit more experience, and this is my feedback. And I tell it to them, I tried to be a friend, but then I realized you can't always be a friend when you're trying to bring it across. So I did step on a few toes, uh, I remember, back then. But we live, we learn. You also learn who your friends, who your real friends are. You also learn uh, techniques on how to get the word across. I think, Anything to share on the techniques part? Well, I think um, if it's constructive and there's no malice inside, over time, people will see it. If uh, people can see that you're just trying to improve the product, the show, uh, trying to help them, at first they would you know, feel it, but I think over time they would, they would be okay with it. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say there's any specific technique. It's just how you, you talk to people. You paint to them, uh, you do not just tell people what's wrong, 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 wrong. You suck, 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 suck. It's more about, all right, maybe we could do this. Maybe we can do this. This could have been a better way, don't you think? Okay, let's now brainstorm, is there any other way we could have done that? Look, we've just come up with a new way. This should be the way you approach it next time. Well done, good job, great, great great show today. And then uh, pepper it with praise, pepper it with uh, other things, and you know, I think people will be able to take it.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, something that when, when a person becomes a manager, they didn't know all the... Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's, not a, it's a learning How curve. How
0: do I tell you know like, people uh, bad things, and yeah. I want to be their friends too, which right now looking back, um, I mean, discipline masters have the same job. They are a nice person; they generally are, but they need to put on the front yeah. to to bring to do their job. Um, and you met a lot of like celebrities, Lady Gaga and so on. Any uh, insights to share? Since all of us wow. have never been in that world,
1: I I've met a, a ton of celebrities. I like. I, I could have probably rattled it off. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually a DJ at Pas Ba Dian San as well, 88.3. So I met the Four Heavenly Kings. Oh. I was doing Chinese radio and bilingual radio back then when I was the English counterpart oh, uh, really? to, a, to, a, to a bilingual radio show. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, while I was on power, I was also on Pas Ba Dian San as well. So I did both stations concurrently. Uh, met the Four Heavenly Kings, met some of the prettiest uh, celebrities in the Chinese market as well. Uh, like Vivian Sue and actually everybody. <laughs> Practically met like everybody, because there would be an artist a day. Uh, i flown to Ireland to meet U2, went inside U2's studio. That to me was uh, amazing. Met Bono, oh, no met way. The Edge. Uh, I met Linkin Park, I met uh, Ronan Keating, Shaggy, uh, Sugar Babes, uh, you name it. Kelly Clarkson was amazing as well, down to earth. A lot of the stars came down, we, we'd fly and meet stars. I was really privileged to have been able to interview a lot of people, meet a lot of people, and just just dabble in their world for a little bit. And Anyone
0: that struck out like to you, then...
1: Everybody did. Everybody had a different facet to them. Everybody was really, really nice because it's an interview. Because, you know, it's not... Uh, except Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi oh. wasn't that nice. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, he's probably having a bad day. Okay. Uh, But everybody else was, you know, really nice. And if you talk to them about their art, there's one unifying factor that you can see in every single celebrity that you meet. If they're serious about their craft, you will feel their passion and their commitment to their craft. And that uh, is something I took away from every single artist I met. Everybody's committed and hungry. When you talk to them about singing technique, the band, getting the band together, togetherness in a band, and which is everything. And then I realized that, hey, there's something that I can take uh, with me forever. You know, whatever I do, if you're just committed enough, and if you are just, you put enough uh, into the craft, into the passion, you'll be successful. Just like the Cha Kui Tiao seller. Wow, long line of people eating is Cha Kui Tiao. And, uh, at the end of the day, he's just a Sao seller, but he goes back to his Mercedes S 400 and lives in a giant bungalow. He's successful. And it's because he's the best at what he does. Remy Ong, he was my teammate. We used to be in the national youth bowling team together. He bowled in the left, I bowled in the right. He kept, you know, playing with his balls. I mean, kept uh, rolling his balls uh, through the years and he became world champion. You know, Tiger Woods, same thing. Everybody who keeps doing what they're doing, keeps doing what they're doing, 10,000 hours again. Yeah. Once you do it for 10,000 hours, you get good at it, and then after that, success will come. Just slowly, it will come to you. Mm.
0: And looking back, um, when you choose your DJ job, like you mentioned that this about the money, and part of the, the drive is the money. What is your views towards money now, since
1: you have, you have money now? I have some money now. <laughs> okay, I got, I got very, very lucky. When I was a radio DJ, I also dabbled in, uh, in uh, some real estate, so that's where I actually earned my real money. <laughs> uh, I would buy dilapidated houses, renovate them, and then after that, sell them for a small profit. I would do this repeatedly. I moved maybe two times in a year, every single year, so that was quite tough. Um, back then, money was important, and I grew really, really comfortable uh, earning You know, my my DJ salary, voiceovers, I would earn money uh, doing uh, shows as well, uh, stage shows and all that. Uh, My viewpoint on money now is a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Back then, I was trying to accumulate as much as I could. Then came a point in my life, which my daughter taught me, uh, when she was born, and I was just at home, uh, realizing, hey there's actually more to life than just accumulation. There's actually the part of um, making a difference in society, making a difference uh, and starting something. So my entrepreneur spirit was always within me, but which, which when 12 Cupcakes came about, it really, really came alive. And I, that's why company culture was so important for 12 Cupcakes. I wanted to start something by which people were happy to come to work, by which people wanted to be a part of. I wanted to start something that was bigger than just money. Money was important. You know, it still is very important. I still feel that uh, wealth will will enable you to to do a lot of things like travel, uh, have new experiences and all that. But it is no longer the same for me because uh, I treat experiences a little bit more, you know, uh, I hold it in a more high regard than uh, the actual wealth itself. Uh, I may have been a little bit careless with some of my money, you know, like (laughs) dabbling in projects that that have failed. I I started 12 Cupcakes and it succeeded. Hooray. I've also started other brands as well that have failed. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yes. Uh, But what I've learned is that the joys and experiences that you can get from starting something far outweigh the monetary uh, parts themselves.
0: Since we are there, let's talk about failures. What failed?
1: Uh, We started uh, this brand called Cookies for Sid uh, that didn't do too well. Before 12 Cupcakes? No, no, no. It was after 12 Cupcakes. Okay. So with the 12 Cupcakes model, with what I've learned, uh, we started Cookies for Sid and it didn't do as well as like what we had hoped. You know, we lost a big bunch of money there. I think it was about $200,000. We started this other concept called Junbi, which is a a fast food, uh, which was pastas, sushi, sashimi, salads. Takeaway concept. But I think Singaporeans weren't ready for takeaway, weren't ready for cold food. They wanted warm food, they wanted to sit down at a place, they wanted to, you know. So I have failed before, but every single failure that I've had uh, taught me a lot. It taught me how to fail. Not everybody can fail, it's the truth. Not everybody can fail. And when people fail, um, you either roll up in a hole and just wallow, or you you uh, dive into it and understand why you failed and never, ever, ever do them again. With the things that I've learned from Junbi and and, and Cookies for Sid, like maybe I've learned about systems, how not to prepare food, uh, staffing, and all that, I applied them to my restaurants, Mischief as well as Rookery, and later succeeded. So Mischief and Rookery are byproducts of my failures for Junbi as well as Cookies for Sid. What I failed for Cookies was Sid, what I failed to uh, understand about budgeting, uh, the systems on how to uh, create food and, and... Because 12 Cupcakes is a one product brand uh, versus uh, a restaurant, which is a... Uh, you have power. 50, 60 different brands, yeah. uh, 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 items and, yeah. and what have you not. So it's a very, very different ballgame. And Junbi, you had like 20, 30 different items as well. It taught me so much that I applied them to the businesses next and th- those succeeded, I would say, uh, in part due to the lessons I've learned. And the first
0: big filler, would you say is, is it Jumbi or...?
1: Uh, it's Cookies for Sid. Uh, um, but when we, when we failed in Cookies for Sid, I also realized it might, might have been my efforts as well. I did not put as much effort as I did in 12 Cupcakes. Like, I can tell you the 12 cupcake story and why it's a success. Yeah. Because we, we worked our asses off for 12 cupcakes. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that I was the first baker for 12 cupcakes at United Square and I made the first 10,000 cakes. It was backbreaking work. We arrived at 7 a.m. every day. We baked and baked and baked till 11. We so thought, you
0: were not even in the storefront, you were at the back baking. I was at the
1: back baking and right. I was at the storefront and I was everything. <laughs> So a day in the life of Daniel Long and uh, Jamie uh, for Tough yeah. Cupcakes was yeah. we thought that we could go in at 7, bake till 11, go home, pay New Year, be with, our, be yeah. with Renee, yeah. right? So we go in at 7, we bake till 11, and then by 12, we will all be sold out. We were stunned. We realized we needed to up production. So we just kept trying to go with demand, but we couldn't. So we go in at 7, we would bake all the way till 3 or 4 or five or six, and then uh, Jamie would go home and be with Renee, I would continue baking and uh, cleaning up the store up to 10pm, I would be in the storefront counting the money, closing the store, doing the reports, leave at about 10 or 11, and then reach home, do HR, do marketing, do accounts, do uh, a little bit more social media stuff sleep at three, and this would repeat. This went on for a couple of months until I realised... Uh,
0: you need to hire a baker. You need to hire
1: big time. So we hired bakers, we hired front office staff, we started roping in family members, we started uh, expanding. Second store came about very, very quickly in the second month. Then in the fourth month, we had our third store. Then every store, we opened a store every single month since. I just went on full expansion mode, and the true secret to how Cake success is systems. It really is systems. How did we come up with a product that was so, so um, consistent? And that's where I, where I knew everything was. If you could deliver something, because everybody knows this, you could have one recipe, uh, you, you give it to four bakers, you get four different cakes. How did we get ours the same all the way? Very early on, we started the systems. How many times are you folding the batter? How many times are you pouring the eggs? How many times is it mixing for? Two minutes, 17 seconds. How long in the oven? Nine minutes, 15 seconds, you know?
0: This particular this, oven, particular this brand. Yes,
1: everything had to be exact. Then the cakes would always be exact. We did experimentations. We tried chocolate cake. We did 42 versions before we got to this, oh, this winning chocolate cake. You know, we did so many things and 10,000 hours again, is this not? Is this not 10,000 hours again? Just going at it over and over and over again until it gets good.
0: I'm curious to ask, why did you have the first store in the mall? Because the story is Jamie wanted it to be like one of those. Yeah, uh, HDB. HDB at the she bottom. She said nah, HDB. low risk, low risk, low risk. What was the what was the risk? I mean, the difference in the rental. I mean, is it will uh, like be about twice? four
1: times. Four times. And an HDB store would be thousand five. In a mall, is six thousand. And you pushed for it hard. I pushed hard for it. I quarrelled with her. We fought over <laughs> this. We said that we either go big or we go home. Immediately off the bat, I knew footfall would be the number one thing in order for our business to be great. In a mall, you have a, a million, two million type footfall. In an HDB flat, you have a hundred and something thousand. I did the math. Isn't it just worth it to get a little bit more footfall, a little bit more sales versus a little less? So I pushed for it hard, and luckily, it worked. And she, didn't, she was thankful after that. But the, the, the true part of the business uh, that, that made it grow the way it did was the fact that I was able to uh, understand the problems before they happened. At store three, I knew that uh, our Toyota Fortuna couldn't do the deliveries already. Delivering boxes to all three stores is just killing us. We need a delivery driver. We need to get our own van. At store number five, I realized we needed our own warehouse. At store number eight, I realized we needed our own accounting team, our own HR team. We needed our own this. At store 10, we, we, we needed even more back end. So before all those things happened, I would hire prior to. Every, before anything happened, I would just build the blocks with foresight to see. And where did all this come from again? My management uh, stint at 987. 987. It was just understanding where things could go wrong, what will go wrong, prior to it happening. Uh, I'd like to
0: ask, like, the mental framework you used to choose, uh, to argue with Jamie on the store at, uh, to have it at the mall.
1: I use, I use a lot of facts. Yeah, okay, let's, let's talk about that. $6,000 in rent, yeah. you get 1.5 million footfall. HDB flat, 1,500 in rent, you will get a 100,000 footfall, right? If you do the per footfall per dollar, you would show her, see? It, doesn't it make much more sense to be in a mall? Plus, I use other facts like, uh, in a mall, you would have the air conditioning of the mall, to keep the cupcakes at aircon temperature, which is what is needed to be inside an HDB shop, you may not have aircon. Plus, more importantly, if you had a glass frontage, it would be a barrier to entry into the shop. If you had a, you had to pay for your own aircon. You add utilities and this and that. So, I tried to use a lot of facts, but there's many, many things that uh, I would have to, you know, give credit where credit is due. Some things uh, creatively, like for the logos, for uh, the design of the brochures and what have you not. Uh, we had different viewpoints, but I would just let her win. You pick your battles. <laughs> pick your battles, and you, you, as a good business partner, yeah. uh, we complement each other very well. Uh, she's good at certain things. She had she designed the website, the very first website. She programmed the website no because way. she has uh, a degree in it, right? That's true. So I designed the logo by by fiddling with uh, her her. PowerPoint or Word or something like that. We're just changing fonts and then we just came up with a logo just like that. We did everything ourselves. The first shop renovation we did ourselves at a budget of $18,000. That's unheard of. Unheard of. Because it's... The
0: fridge and... I mean, what, well, that's a like glass shop. There's no fridge. There's, There's no, no fridge. fridge. It's air-conditioned. Just air-conditioned.
1: But it's just the way the design was and all yep. that. We just do our own research, do our own everything. Everything is bau ke liao. We started 12 Cupcakes from scratch. How long did it took? About a month. No way. Yeah, that's why, that's why it's, this success story is so incredible. You're hearing it first right here on Misfits. But, <laughs> but uh, it took about a month to, to put together. We started the company somewhere in May, June. And by July uh, 13th, my mother's birthday, we opened up for business on my mom's birthday. And uh, it's been a success ever since. And um, yeah, we just moved on.
0: W- can you tell me like when it grew from Singapore, and you brought it the first store overseas. How's that experience like?
1: Okay, so for that, uh, we actually went with a partner for this. Oh. We never, never thought that we'd be able to go overseas ourselves. We knew one thing was for sure, we did not want to do a franchise uh, model, because if a franchise model fails, it could fail spectacularly, in a sense that somebody could destroy your brand by using inferior products, by using inferior flour or sugar or whatever, you know? So. A partner came in and they said that they wanted to open up all the overseas stores. They put in money to open up all the stores overseas. We flew to every single country to oversee the training, the store building. We gave the expertise on how. Every every country got its own country manager and we tried to replicate what happened in Singapore. Uh, Things didn't go as well as what we thought because there was a lot of different problems overseas. Overseas, it's weird, like, we didn't have the, um, the, the, the clout that we had in Singapore. Ah. In order to get more space, you need to open up in a bad location first, before they'll give you a good location, because you need to prove yourself that your brand works, right? Oh. And sometimes you need to take two bad ones before they'll give you a good one. But for three stores overseas, it's very, very difficult for one good store to support all three, plus a framework. So sales wasn't as great. So we had a lot of uh, difficulties overseas, and this and business… didn't help you with… No, no, they, they, they did. Okay, they pushed. They, they, they pushed for it. They, 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 they put in all the money for overseas. And, uh, and, I mean, as a brand, we're in five countries. That's phenomenal. That is. Phenomenal. You is. Know? That's, that's, that's pretty amazing since, since that we're only two years old when we actually went overseas. Um, but it wasn't without difficulties. There was just so much difficulties with the geography, with space, in Jakarta, like floods happening, nobody going to malls anymore. You don't go to the mall; you have to waddle in waist deep in water and floodwaters. There's so many other different problems, which we learned along the way. And I've learned so much on this journey that I'm ready to go overseas with any other business. Like what do we say? It's always a learning curve. This hunger of me being curious and learning and then applying will always, always be part of me. And we've learned so much and. Just from all these mistakes that I've made, we've made, uh, I think I'm ready to, to, to plunge into something even bigger or deeper.
0: So can we review the, the secret of uh, 12 Cupcakes? Uh, that's why we postponed the interview too. Okay, yeah.
1: uh, right, as at right now, uh, 12 Cupcakes is being sold. Uh, we feel that it's a great brand. 12 Cupcakes now has brownies. We've got the amazing, amazing honey cake. It is so delicious. We've got other new products that are coming about. However, um, we feel that uh, me and Jamie as entrepreneurs for this brand, 12 Cupcakes, we feel that we want to uh, uh, concentrate on other things. Oh. Jamie wants to do work on our fitness. I want to work on uh, my restaurants and my other ideas like WooHoo. And uh, I've got a million business ideas. It's just running all the time. I'm just interested in business all the time. Uh, so we feel that it's better to give it to somebody with enough firepower to turn this into an even bigger brand. So... Uh, we have a buyer who's coming in, and uh, we sold 12 cupcakes already, and uh, they'll be taking 12 cupcakes to the next level, bringing it to more countries, bringing it to a, a bigger scale, a different look, more products, more R&D. And as a brand itself, 12 cupcakes will always still exist. Because 12, what does it mean? Why 12 cupcakes?
0: The 12 holes on each. 12 holes
1: on each baking tray? Yep. 12 is the perfect number, because Jamie's cupcakes were perfect. Mm-hmm. 12 apostles, 12 months in a year, 12 hours, 12 zodiac signs. There's a reason why it's all 12. And uh, 1 plus 2, 3. 3 in, uh, in, in uh, dialect is sun is like rising. Wow. So 12 will always evolve as a brand. Maybe one day it might not be 12 cupcakes. Maybe one day it will be 12. And it will have 12 different products. You never know. So I hope the new owner for 12 cupcakes will be able to take it to the next level. And uh, I think uh, it should succeed if they are on track. <laughs> yeah.
0: And now, right now, what are you focusing on since you have more time freed up?
1: Uh, we are focusing on our restaurant's mischief over at Esplanade and also Rookery over at Hong Leung Building opposite La Uh We're tweaking the menu. We're improving our uh, systems. We're improving our uh, offerings as well. Uh, we're trying to spruce it up in terms of the decor and what have you not as well. And uh, we're also, I'm also focusing on WooHoo which is my social media advertising agency. Uh, I want to do so many businesses, Brian. Mm. So many businesses. I could tell you about some of them, but better not, not yet, oh, until not it's yet. come to fruition. Okay. I'll tell you something. I want okay, to t- open up more restaurants. Uh, I want to open up more other things. I want to be a farmer. Uh, I want to so join beyond. I want to go beyond. I want to go yeah. through the whole supply chain. One day, I want to create a system that would be able to do stackable fish farming in any place in the world, even in a desert that would recycle the water, have the manure collected in the center because of my patented whirling uh, method, and that manure will go into making fertilizer, which will then populate a whole entire field behind me. I wanna do a lot of things, I have so much in my brain, but uh, the thing is, so many businesses, my chili, I wanna create chili as well, so many businesses, but what is the one thing that every single business needs to get the word out? So that's why I created Woohoo because I'm, I'm realizing TV, radio, and print. They're dying mediums. Everything is online now. Everything is people uh, getting it and, 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 absorbing advertising or how people are influenced It's through their mobile devices. It's true. It's true YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and what have you, you know, It's through their mobile devices. That's the future of advertising. So why not create a platform that is able to do that? So Woohoo creates content. We do filming, we do production, we do editing. Uh, We then have our own influencers. We have about 200 influencers under our belt as at now who speak to two over million people. And through them, we'd be able to get any product, the coverage it needs that traditionally, uh, the traditional mediums would would need. If you have a new drink, if any big brand has a new drink, and then all of our influencers are having it all at once, it'd be an effective, effective media campaign. All of them are, oh my gosh, this drink. And then they describe it, give them a taster, uh, get their feedback on this drink. It tastes so good, it's so refreshing, blah, blah, blah. And soon, you have your own platform. Yeah. If I, I created any business, I would then have my own platform to sell it. I, have, I am my own customer, so to speak. You know? So that's, that's probably the most important. That's why WooHoo came about. So that's before the rest. Before the rest. So I will be working on the rest of my ideas I have this wonderful idea for chili because of my love for food and my love for creating recipes and all that. I think I've created the best chili in the world. It is the tastiest, most delicious. It goes with anything. Anybody love chili? You love chili? I do. You will love this product. So (laughs) if I can package it right, I'll probably be able to bring it to the world.
0: Great. I had to ask you this as well as reading through some articles. Uh, there were some shenanigans happening at uh, Sheringham Garden.
1: <laughs> I have so many shenanigans. Where do you want to begin? <laughs> I, I am Can we not... talk
0: about this in Sheringham Garden? The one? Yeah, 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 sure. Because, I I, you know, your story is not heard. I mean, like, we heard this, you know, like... It's crazy, guys. Yeah. Are you, okay. I, yeah. Uh, which,
1: which one, though? Because there's so many. I just oh. want to say for the record, I'm okay. a controversial person. Please. You know? I'm not as controversial as, say, Glenn Ong, because he's also controversial in his own, right? Yeah. But us Ongs, man, we are just controversial, <laughs> you know? So, the thing is... Um, I have my own controversy, yeah. and I have my own thing, like... Uh, uh, okay, are you talking about the, my, this, this Indian neighbor? Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, okay, so let's talk about Indian neighbor number one. Oh, there's uh, more than one Indian there's neighbor. There's more than one. There's more oh, than no one. No way, okay. Uh, there's a lot of different incidences. Some made the press, this guy, his daughter decides to go, go public and go, go to a New Paper, call the New Paper on, and, and then create their own story and own hype and whatever, have you not? So, this guy is a bully. He bullies his workers. Uh, he starts renovations at 7.30 in the morning when you should neighbour. So, this is my house, okay. there's a house in the middle, and this is his house. When you are hacking the <laughs> through the wall, yeah. it goes into the concrete and, and goes everywhere. This was massive. This is the time when I was working uh, the late show. I worked till 4am every day, I come back home, 7.30, it starts. This went on for months before I finally went to tell the workers, please stop. Then the workers say, cannot stop. I hear this guy coming and shouting them, work, everybody get to work. So I write this guy a, a, a letter, you know, and I say that you are, you are, uh, you know, terrible. This is really, you know, not acceptable. I'm going to complain to you about it. And of course, him being the, you know, he picks a fight with me when he sees me, he shouts at me. And then he wants to fight me twice. Like
0: a like fist fight?
1: Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and I tell him, you're an old guy, I don't want to fight with you. You know, he's, uh, he's probably in his 50s. I don't know, yeah. 50s or 60s. And if I fought him, uh, it wouldn't be nice. It wouldn't be good. Because I would probably kick his ass. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. <laughs> because, you know, I had a temper. You know, I had a temper as well. Uh, try sleeping for three hours every single day for six days a week. Yes. Oh, you blur. you know. It's like, yeah. Damn, it gets to your nerves. Yeah. And over time, it just, one day I just snapped and I typed him a nasty letter. Uh, the nasty letter... He I thought then, it was quite
0: smart too, by the way, the letter.
1: <laughs> really? Did yeah, you I mean, even like, read you the letter? Oh
0: my gosh. I, I did, I did. It, it was a
1: nasty letter. Uh, in retrospect, maybe I should have uh, tried talking to him repeatedly over and over. But Which you didn't. The first I thing didn't. was the letter. No, no I, I talked to him first. Okay. Then he said he wanted to fight with me. Then I typed the letter. Oh. Yeah, so... Uh, they took the letter, they published it, they put it out there. And then after that, they created their own hype. Um, but, things that happened, and then I typed a reply letter, what have you not. And then there was a to and fro because he typed me a letter. Oh, he did type a letter He typed attitude. me a letter. Oh, okay. And then I typed him a letter. And then, using social media, it got shared like 184,000 times. Right. And it soon went on, don't know what other websites there were. And it just went, blah. You know? So there was, there was this drama but I was glad it was over. There was a whole entire false thing about the real Singapore trying to take 12 cupcakes down by saying that we hired Filipinos uh, and didn't give them proper salary, which was totally false. It's just one disgruntled. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even. It wasn't even. That one disgruntled is another incident. Oh, what? Yeah, there's many incidences, but our conscience is clear for for those because we paid our our workers good salary. They used the, the person's name to write something false about it. And then after that, this person was like, I've never said such a thing. But now they're in jail. So, you know? Who's yeah. in jail? The, the real Singapore guys. Oh. Yeah, the real Singapore. So not the
0: not the one who used the fake the, fi- the name that was being used, not the guy. No, 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 no. no. The guy who faked the, the name. The
1: one who faked. yeah, the the writers behind the real Singapore. They're trying to create they were trying to create, you know, the whole xenophobia thing and and I guess they got what they deserved, lah, but uh, there's also like other drama about What other dramas there are? You can just Google my name. You'll see a lot of drama. But... (laughs) The thing is... It is a misconception where people think that I'm an asshole. But... Are we allowed to say asshole? Can we say asshole? Yes, you can say fuck if you want. Damn. (laughs) Okay. But... People think I'm an asshole, but... It's not. It's just... Circumstantial. And I wear my heart on my sleeve. If I feel something, I will put it out there. If I... um, Feel it's, it's wrong... I will say my piece. If I see some injustice... I'll put my foot down. Uh, that's why people uh, in my organizations uh, probably enjoy interaction with me. Because I'm no holds barred. I am truthful, open, and honest, and open book. And that's the way I, I am with all my staff as well. well talking about staff, yeah. talking about staff, I just want to say I've, I've got a great team at 12 Cupcakes. I've got a great team at Mischief, great team at Rookery. Just want to send everybody some love. Yes, please. Because they are they they teach me so much on a daily basis. If they ask, if you and ask going to ask any of my staff, what kind of a boss is Daniel Long, they will tell you that he is a very hands-off boss. It's not that I'm hands-off, okay? It's because I give a lot of space to everybody to do their jobs. I know what is going on everywhere at all times. I know what is going on, but I let them do their jobs and I give them the space so that they can flourish and they can do what they need to do. And I think that's that's really important. Company culture back then in 12 Cupcakes was also a reason why we succeeded. We used to play games, roll dice, lowest number must throw trash. Everybody was, piawla, uh, piala, Wah, hang, uh, you know? And then everybody would have fun. We used to have a, a game in the middle of the day when we are baking, everybody's struggling. Six bakers struggling in this small little kitchen at the back. All right, today's song is Kelly Clarkson. Uh, uh, if you hear Kelly Clarkson, you must put down what you're doing and dance at the front of the counter. So, Kelly Clarkson is on the radio, suddenly appears on the radio. The whole entire baking force comes out and dances in the front. And people are taking social media uh, out front by where they're buying cakes and then there's the whole baking noise banging their pots and banging whatever. And then this went, and went viral. And then this, this was, it was so interesting. After the song finishes, everybody, oh, oh, oh go back to work. You know? As a, as, a, as a shop, this is a spectacle. The, the people who are at the front counter selling the cakes, everybody's laughing and having so much fun. The customers are having fun as well. And then, uh, we would do different things. Like, we just take the cakes. Okay, this is one for you. This is one for you. This is free cakes. Just for that two Over. minutes. What are you doing now? No, no, no. No, uh. no, no, no <laughs> more. But, uh, <laughs> the thing is that incidences like that yep. make your work environment fun. To any boss who wants to be successful in a cafe, in, a, in a t- any type of job where it's quite mundane, just create something fun for your employees. Because why do people leave jobs? It's either because of the manager or because of the environment. If you created a fun environment for all your staff, they would love to come to work. You know, just like that, the fish market in the USA. Uh, people there earn very little salaries Seattle Fish Market, right? Yes, correct. They earn very little salaries, but they work there for 20 years. Don't want to go. Why? Because they're throwing the tuna. Tourists are taking pictures of them. They're having fun every day. And if you could create that culture, having fun at work, you come to Mischief, all of our staff are having fun. All of them are laughing and joking and punching each other. I mean, we're having a blast. We're serving our customers with a smile. And when customers see that vibe and they feel that vibe, immediately they want to come back because they want to be part of fun. Isn't that what life is all about, an experience?
0: Yes. Rolling back a little bit um, to those shenanigans that happened, controversial stuff. How would you, now that you own WooHoo, um, use social media and do things differently? How would you control a narrative?
1: I've actually uh, aged a lot. Yes. Yeah, since then. Uh, To give you the honest answer, uh, I've reached a part of my life where I feel confrontation may not always be the, the best thing. Like recently, my dog got kidnapped and uh, Prince got kidnapped by this guy who wanted $3,000 for his return. I wanted to go to the cops. Cops said they couldn't do anything until th- is, there's proof that he has Prince. So I asked for a photo, asked for a photo, asked for a photo. Finally got to the photo, went back to the cops. Cops already closed because police post closed at 10.30. I never knew, right? And no. then, um, and then I, we finally negotiated, came to meet and I took the dog. It was like a three people, three people type thing. And it was like, oh, wow, I'm going to face off already. And then, okay, I gave him an ang pao and then we, that was that. But uh, I wrote a, a piece about dogs, uh, my dog being kidnapped on social media. And I did not attack this guy who took prints. I just happened to mention it. But then I think some of these uh, sites picked it up. And before we knew it, it was shared by uh, 110,000 people. Oh. So, things like that I've I've learned I'm not as con- combative as before, and uh, I'm not as uh, as angry as before. I've mellowed a lot. Mm-hmm. I would rather talk things through, be nice about things, and I guess I, I would say through age and through time, I'm a very different person now. Uh, choose love, not war. That's the that's the new mantra. W-
0: I'm the the question actually stems from like if the the shares has already happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean. Would Is, I use social
1: media to yeah, actually- How would you
0: control a narrative? Is I mean just this, this hypothetical situation. I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't bring my company into it. First oh, of all. Oh you moment. wouldn't, okay. I would never ever bring my company into it. As a focal point, I realize I'm in a position by which other people will, will already want to know what I have to say if yeah. it's interesting enough. You know, I could put up a photograph and nobody wanna see it or like it or anything. But yeah, if I put up something controversial, I think a lot of people want to just understand it, be part of it. Uh, spread it, you know, just because it's controversial. So, I wouldn't bring my company into it. I have the power, but with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, cliche, yeah? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I think that's something which I would would not do. Uh, Instead, I would use my own mediums to just talk about things that need to be spoken about. Mm. Because I still have a voice. I still am a personality. I still am very loud, <laughs> on times, at times, at times, but I'm a different person now, really.
0: How do you structure your time? Uh, oh is there goodness. a
1: balance or if there isn't? Um, everybody, this is the key. This is the absolute key. It is about priorities. Right? It's about priorities. Your time is your time. You will need to tell yourself what is important to you. Like my time with my daughter and family is just so important to me. So I place that as number one. You know, I make sure that things that need to be settled, things that need my attention, will will uh, will receive my attention. Uh, I structure in meetings. I set my meetings every single day. If I have more meetings, if I have time, I'll. I'll uh, first of all, I have a 30-minute, 45-minute rule. At 30 minutes, if you haven't accomplished what you uh, want to do, at the 45-minute mark, you have to cut it already. There's absolutely no point in three-hour, two-hour meetings at all. If you cannot solve it in 30 minutes, it is not worth it because it cannot be solved. If you can solve it within 30 minutes and you can come to a, a decision on it, means that, hey, problem solved. People's focus, people's brains, you know, it only works for 45 minutes. After that, it's just too much. So I schedule all my meetings for 45 minutes. We come, we talk about the menu, 45 minutes, we're done. We talk about, uh, we move on to the next meeting, talk about another restaurant. We go on to talk about 12 Cupcakes. We have operational meetings with 12 Cupcakes. Uh, Operational meeting with operational staff of the restaurants. I go to Uhu, I do sales pitches. I go out and meet clients. Uh, Everything should be 30 minutes, 45 minutes to say what you need to say, accomplish what you need to accomplish, and then after a strict eight-hour day, be with your family. Because at the end of the day, nobody ever said, oh, I wish I worked harder. I wish I was at my job longer. And this is a blessing for me because at age 40, I now know this super fact in life that there are more important things to life than working, than trying to to do, trying to be. So it's about priorities. I mean, when you start something, yes, at the starting point of it all, when I started Mischief, when I started Rookery, I was here 16 hours a day. I was handling the renovations. I was handling everything from scratch. That one, you can do it. That's zero to one phrase. Zero to one. You are working your ass off. Can. 16 hours a day. Talk to your wife. Talk to your family. I will not be seeing you just for one month. Bear with me. I'll be back. After you've accomplished, set up systems in place. Then after that, get back to your priorities. You can do it for a month. You can be you can be just driven and hungry and just do everything it takes to make it succeed for a while. And then after that, you, you go back to what's important. Family is important. Um, besides family, I would think your friends are important. Uh, self-love is important as well. There's nothing more than nothing. If you are a type of guy who just devotes all your time to your family and work, and there's no self-love, you don't spend... My self-love period is only five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, but it's all the self-love you need. Being by yourself, having your coffee, reading your newspaper, reading your book, having that quiet time before everybody wakes up. If you need to wake up earlier, just wake up earlier. You really don't need that much sleep. Seriously, you do not need that much sleep. Everybody's thinking now, no, no, I need my sleep, but you have so limited hours here on earth. Do you really want to spend it sleeping? What are a few eye bags than you experiencing inner peace, life, or whatever? It's just, you know, it's egeti and eagety. Yeah. The weighing skills like that, you know? You need to know your priorities and know what you want.
0: All right, so let's dive into a round of quick question. It is quick, but it doesn't need to be answered quick.
1: Oh man, <laughs> quick questions time. Wait, do I, can I call a friend? You can, Okay, shoot.
0: Is there any books that you like to recommend?
1: Uh, I have one book. One book? One book. I mean, I read joke books. I read a lot of comics and stuff and what have you not, but I wouldn't count that as literature. Although people say that I'm a funny guy, a lot of jokes and what have you not. Uh, Only when I'm tipsy, Uh, a lot of dirty jokes. But the one book I would uh, recommend would be Outliers. It has changed my life. First time I picked it up. I mean, Wednesdays with Maury and, you know, the rest of the. there's other things that you must read in your life. Just Google 10 must read books. That's the list that you have to complete, must complete. But The Outliers really changed my life in the sense that it lasered my focus on what I need to be to be successful. If you want to be successful, you need to have this quality. The curiosity, the drive, and the fact that you are willing to work at it for 10,000 hours. And let's break it down, Brian. Yeah. Is 10,000 hours really difficult? It's not. You think about it. uh, if If you wanted to be a painter, a singer, a camera person, an editor, anything you want to be, if you're good at it, will you be successful? Yes. If you are so good at editing, or if you're so good at cooking or anything, you will be sought after. Break it down. Eight hours a day, it'll take you only three years eight months to complete. In three years and eight months of your life, how old are you now, Brian? 26. When you do this for three years and eight months, you're not even 30 years old yet, and boom, you are the best at what you do. You are successful from 30 to 50. Let's say I'm 40 years old. I decide to do this new thing. I want to be the best farmer I can be. I read, I study, I try, I experiment. I live, 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 live. I do this eight hours a day. In three years time, I will have a system that makes me the best farmer in the world. I'll be 43. I can then do it up to I'm um, 60 or 70. Any age that you are right now, you do something long enough. You had Darney on the show, right? Darnie yeah. my man. Yeah. So Darnie, he did his 10,000 hours. He started beatboxing when he was a kid. He taught me that. And then he got good at what he does and now he's traveling the world, living in Poland, doing his thing. It's 10,000 hours. It's only three years plus. Let's say you're lazy, lah, okay? You're lazier. <laughs> five hours a day is all you got, and you want to paint for five hours a day. It only takes you five years. What is five years in, as compared to 85 years of your life? What is it? It's, it's so small. Spend this little bit of time. Be the best at what you can be, at, at what you want to do, and success will follow you. So this comes from the book, yep. and it has changed my life, Pick up the book, read it, and it will change yours.
0: Uh, what are some, what are, is there an item or a service that you've bought recently that have most impacted you? Item or service that i bought recently? Uh? Uh,
1: not recent, but obviously the iPhone. The iPhone has changed my life. It allows me to be more productive than I've ever been. What did you use before? Uh, before? I uh? can't remember, man. It's it an Android? Uh, not an Android. I'm not on the Android iPhone fence. Okay. It's just that... Prior to the iPhone, I remembered uh, needing a computer. So right now, I n- no longer am on a computer, and I can type emails, make business decisions, contact people, connect to the world, just through my iPhone, and, and there are a million apps in there. Like, if you need like a few minutes, you download like different kinds of apps. Even, even if your daughter has it just for a few minutes as well. Too much iPhone, not good for your daughter. Huh? Uh, but a little bit will give you that little bit of space to do what you need to do. Sometimes it's, it's alright, you know? Uh, a million things.
0: An advice for your 18-year-old year self, and a uh, place us where you're at.
1: Ah, advice for my 18-year-old self. Huh? You know what? I have no advice for my 18-year-old self. Nothing. I would want to go through the exact same mistakes I've made through my whole life. And I would want to go through um, the exact same lessons that I've had because those were wonderful lessons. Without any of the lessons, without any, without, if I knew what I knew now, it'd be an unfair advantage and I wouldn't be able to experience them. So I would give my 18 year old self No advice, except uh, to probably change my hairstyle. (laughs) My 18-year-old self, bad hair, man. (laughs) Bad hair.
0: Uh, When you think of the word successful, who came
1: into your mind and why? Actually, successful uh. Actually, anybody is successful. A lot of people, a lot of successful people come to my mind. Um, A lot of them are friends, you know. Like Ilim Chu, Rachel and Viola from Love, Bonito. You're successful, Brian. Uh, Anybody is successful if they are good at what they do and they're passionate about what they do and they're recognized for it. You know, if you're known for something, uh, people know me as, well, ex-radio DJ. That means I was successful as as a radio DJ in the past. Now everybody knows me as entrepreneur guy, open door cupcakes, restaurants. That means I'm successful as an entrepreneur. Everybody is successful. Barack Obama, he's successful. Look at how many people want a third term from Barack. You know? Anybody who's good at what they do is deemed successful and there'll be too many people to name uh, because if you're known for something, you are successful. That's the bottom line of it.
0: Uh, Morning routines or routines and habits you find important?
1: I think uh, three minutes or five minutes with yourself, either to drink your own coffee, but to not be with anybody, just be by yourself, uh, doing something for yourself, meditating, a massage on the chair or um, giving yourself extra five minutes in the shower, just feeling the, the jets of water stream down your body, you know. Anything that is by yourself, that makes you feel alive, that's a, that's a routine that is super, super important. It gives you time to reflect. Gives you time to think what you did wrong. And when you do that, you'll realize how many people you have to apologize to. (laughs) So then you spend the next couple of minutes apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry, but I was an ass just now. (laughs) You know, I'm so sorry. Self-reflection is key for everything. And and I think- Speaking of which, uh,
0: I'm going to get a five-minute journal, morning and night. Hmm. Uh, Something I want to try to- That's
1: fantastic. Fantastic, Brian.
0: Um, what are some of the most common misconceptions about you or your work?
1: Uh, people think that I do nothing as an entrepreneur. It is true that you look at my Instagram and Facebook and, wow, he's always eating, uh, having fun, uh, going to the reservoir and running with his daughter, going to arts and crafts, going with his family, this and that. And people think I'm traveling all the time. It's Instagram. It's not in real time, people. You need to know there's a time lapse on this kind of stuff. People think I do nothing, you know. Uh, I'm actually really, because I'm involved in so many things, and I have deputies in every single department, I'm actually meeting everybody and and just going, doing the rounds. And just doing the rounds on this, imagine I want to do another four more businesses. (laughs) I'm actually pretty busy. It's just that people think that I do nothing, and people... When they call me, hey bro, shall we just go out for a drink? And everybody's calling me out for a drink every single day. My liver can only take so much drinks, you know. Uh, and because now I own a bar and a mischief and rookery, great place to drink, by the way. Come on down. Yeah, you should. Yeah. And uh, people think that I'm here all the time. Hey, are you at Mischief now? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's probably a misconception that I do nothing. Oh! Oh okay. People also think that I'm an ass. You're an ass. I'm an ass. But because I'm really guarded as a person, uh, people don't really know me. When they see me on the streets, I'm like that one. Doing my own thing. You know, I'm just like, I'm super deadpan on the street. I'm not on the streets and smiling. And then when people see me on the street and then they, they look at me, they expect a, hey, hey. Like, you know, because he's supposed to be friendly. You know, he's sort of a personality. You know, uh, but when I, when I don't smile back, Whoa, immediately on Facebook, on Instagram, Daniel Ong is an asshole. He very tau. I say hi to him and he never even say hi back. That's because I didn't hear you. <laughs> I did not hear. I, I've seen tons of that. Like you go on like forums and all that. Yeah, Daniel Ong is an ass. This is, I heard this about him. I heard this about him. Then it becomes truth. You know? I'm like, what the? Yeah, but, it's, but that's the way the world is. And I've learned how to take it roll with the punches, take it with a punch of salt, I am like oil and water. (laughs) Because doesn't affect me at all. But I just sometimes at night, just cry by myself in bed, man. Stop writing those mean things about me.
0: Not good. Don't (laughs) do that. Are there any uh, says or do you like to uh, tell the audience?
1: Um, Actually, there's a million things I want to say. There's a million things I want to do with the audience.
0: Um, You can only choose one.
1: Only choose one. Yeah. How about 64 things? Okay, please come to Mischief. Please come to, come to Rookery to try our new menu. Both restaurants have a new menu. Come and try it out. It is phenomenal. Come and try 12 cupcakes because 12 cupcakes is phenomenal. It's the best damn cupcake. If you want happiness in a bite, 12 cupcakes. Um, please call Woohoo if you need a product uh, placement. Not product placement. You marketing. need like a marketing of any sorts. We'll be able to, you know, do stock graphic motion for you or do anything for you, whatever, uh, and get the word out through our hundreds of influencers. Um, But I'm also into entrepreneurship now. So if there's one thing, I know I mentioned a few, but if there's one thing that anybody watching this would like to um, uh, be part of, uh, if you need somebody to bounce ideas off, if you need somebody to, uh, and you want to be an entrepreneur, why don't you drop me an email? And I promise you, I will reply every single email I, I get. Like, I give a lot of motivational speeches and on stage, I'll tell people, tell me your idea. I'll tell you whether it's feasible or not and what are the things that you can look out for. Free of charge. Let me know your idea and we'll get in touch. I'll just write back to you and I'll give you my feedback on it. My email address is daniel at It's daniel at Woohoo! W-O-O-H-O-O dot C-O, okay? Drop me an email, tell me your business idea. If you need funding, if you need uh, some bouncing off, what do you think are the pitfalls to 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 your idea? What can I do better in order for it to succeed? Let me know, because this is my way. I may take some time to get back to you. Some, Some emails I take like three, five days a week because I get a lot of emails, but this is my way of giving back to the world um, if I can assist you in any way, inspire you in any way, or help you in any way to, for you to achieve your dreams, then I would have lived. Then I would, I'm okay, put very ugly, ugly eh? I'm justifying my own existence. I've learned some things in life. I've got some good ideas. I am very, um, when people talk to me, they know that I'm creative. So ask me anything. I'll just answer. Be, be sure to answer questions about you know any business idea that you have. So drop me an email.
0: Where else can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, please follow me on Instagram. I have very few Instagram followers. Okay, and, show some uh, love. Show some love. I need some Instagram followers. It's uh, Daniel underscore Ong underscore Singapore. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, you just need to type in Daniel Long. Look for the right right one. I'm I'm with Renee, um, and that's where you can find me. I'm I'm actually pretty much an open book. In the past, when I was a radio DJ and uh, back then, I think it was a very, very different life that we had because back then it was like uh, I was a celebrity because at that time we had no social media, no nothing. People could only hear me on radio, right? So the thing is, back then I was a celebrity, I was trying to be protective of myself. So now that I'm no longer a celebrity, I'm a nobody now, I'm just a normal human being and I'm just a normal, normal, normal uh, being, it really is, I'm really an open book. I'm accessible. You can, you can contact me on any platform and I'll reply because I'm just a human being. And, and I am connecting with any human being who wants to connect with this human being.
0: And I'm an open book. Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: Alright. Yeah, we're good. We're done. We're done.
0: What's up, people? It's over. I know you miss me. I miss you. Let's miss each other. As usual, all show notes, links, books can be found on our website, brianvictor.com. Brian with a Y. And if you have any misfits that you'd like to hear from, feel free to drop me an email or put them in the comments box below. I read everything. In the coming week, uh, we have Donnie Ng, who is the best beatboxer in the world. If you don't believe me, go on YouTube type in Dhani, D-H-A-R-N-I and be ready to get your mind blown. Uh, Also, on top of that, I'm also doing research uh, to write an article about buying versus renting a place in Singapore. And if you want to hear more about that, go to the website, sign up for the mailing list and to be notified for all upcoming episodes and articles. Thank you again for giving me your time and listening to this uh, episode. I really appreciate it and have a fantastic, Weak hate.